a freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Powerhouse last five minutes <laughs> from G. Scott. Wish people, <laughs> wish people could just experience everything we get. The got a language, nice text, by the way. I got a the nice text. Gigantic rip in the back seat of his pants. <laughs> his drawers hanging out. I mean, it mm. looks ridiculous. He wants me to take a picture of it, which I'm not going to do. I'm not putting that mm. on my phone. Are you kidding me? Mm. You get arrested for stuff like that. Gee, are you nuts? I'm not putting that on my. I missed you, bro. But look, this big old hole in the back of my pants is real big. That now, and now you've brought, now you've moved it closer to Mora. I'm sure she loves that. <laughs> You know what? What if Mara goes upstairs after the show <laughs> exactly. and says G. Scott was standing next yes. to me with a big old hole in his There's damn pants? There's not enough material between you and her right now. Why don't you go back off? Go He's got really big and... holes, and he really needs to know his roles. He's got a really big hole, and I wish he knew his role. Oh, my gosh. All right. There goes G. He's uh, he's leaving, it appears. Brock, uh, we screwed everything up today yep. because of Boy Mafe and moving some stuff around. So let's do a slightly delayed version of Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sox. All right, a few minutes of football talk here with Brock. We have uh, an expectation that we will talk to Jeff Passan at 8.30. As long as there's no breaking news going on at that time, we'll discuss everything going on here with the Mariners at the deadline and the deal that they made yesterday. Brock, yesterday was also first day in pads, shoulder pads anyway. Mm-hmm. Who, do, uh, who do you think got tested early and often? Well, you commented about uh, Boye Mafe and you commented about the defense rising up. That usually happens on the first day of pads. Usually pads, you know, and, and was it Quandre yesterday talking to us about how much he hates just being in these shorts and you can't tap people off and stop their momentum. Well, you put the pads on, mm-hmm. shoulder pads and helmet, you butt somebody up, and guess what? They stop. You have some of that stopping power. So First it was two- play. Yes. First so- play of practice <laughs> yesterday when uh-huh. they finally got everybody out there. Yep. They hand the ball to McIntosh, who, yep. right, the day before had been running wild. <laughs> Nuosu put him on his rear end, yeah. just drilled him. It's real now. Let's go. I would say the two, based you know who's on... the happiest guy in that moment? Huh. Quandre. Sure. Like, everything he had told us earlier in the day, he it was exploded. jumping up and down. I think the two other guys, and one of the other things Tariko said there about Pete Carroll, not only is he one of the greatest coaches of our lifetime, Pete knows how to build a team, and he does it where from the secondary forward. So I thought yesterday the pads go on. And yeah, one-on-one drill, the big guys, what you just said, Chen up, you know, button, button up and, and hitting Macintosh. But I thought the DBs yesterday, man, they threw Weatherspoon on everybody. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to cover Parkinson down the field. He's going to have to deal with the massive man that is DK Metcalf. He's going to have to deal with Lockett's feet and quickness. And, yeah, man, watching Trey Brown and Devin Witherspoon in particular when the pads came on yesterday, Trey is fighting for his livelihood. He is fighting to prove that he, hey, man, don't you trade me. You keep me here, and I'm going to push, and I'm going to push, and I'm going to scrap. And, and I think it was Jim Nagy or, or somebody yesterday tweeted and said all he needs to do is stay healthy because that guy can play but it was a 
Yeah, it was a welcome to the NFL moment for Witherspoon with the pads on. Like, this game is different, kid. And he knows it. He's a violent, physical dude. But I thought those two in particular, through the social media realms, stood out as much as anybody. All right, question number two. Mike Sando's list of quarterbacks came out yesterday, his tiered ranking of quarterbacks. Where was Geno, and what does it say? Yeah, Geno was a little low for me. Geno was tier three, not tier one, not tier two, not tier three. And, you know, I'd probably put him in tier three. Tier three, by the way, starts with the 13th ranked quarterback. So your usual candidates up top, Mahomes and Burrow, Allen, Rodgers. He has Herbert at tier one. I'm not there yet, but whatever. Uh, Tier two, and this isn't Mike. This is all the intel he gets from executives and GMs and scouts. Tier two is Hertz and Jackson, Lawrence, Prescott, I don't know, Stafford, Deshaun Watson, really? Kirk Cousins, okay. And then tier three, as I said, starts at 13, and that's where I thought Geno would be, somewhere around 13 to 16. Kyler Murray? Ahead of him? Oh, yeah. That guy stinks. Kyler Murray, 13? Derek Carr, 14? Derek got 15? Russell falling all over well, 16. Here's the one thing I would say about Kyler Tua Murray. To Jimmy like. Daniel Jones. Did Geno doesn't come in until 20. Oh, really? 20? That's a little low. I'd have him a bunch of ahead of a bunch of those guys. The thing about Kyler Murray is until we see him with a competent head coach, we just don't know whether he's good. That's true, too, and I, I think mean, that's some of what you the gotta, executives you got to take some of a shot here at, at Kingsbury being just completely incompetent. Okay, one more. Here we go. Uh, Brock, today's supposed yeah. to be the day. <laughs> George Klevkoff going to give his... Big presentation yep. on what they're looking at for a uh, Pac-12 media or Pac-9 yep. media deal. What, yep. what what should we expect yep. today? I heard 24 hours, now I'm here at 48. So we'll see whether it's oh. today or tomorrow. Well, front what, off of sports, I saw a tweet this morning. Or did Sports they? Business Journal, somebody. It's happening yep. today. Yep, that's what I heard, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. And I know this, the uh, Arizona Regents, which are both Arizona and Arizona State meet at 3 p.m. today. So it may be advisable Jeez. for George to let that board know what your numbers are, what your deal is, at least what they can look at if there is indeed any level of competition. Wow. We've cried wolf, we've cried wolf, we've cried wolf, we've cried wolf. You better show something substantial at some point before that Board of Regents meeting at three today. That's today's Blue 88. Yes. Mm. Gross. Yep. <laughs> it's just one yep. thing after another after another. Uh, all right, that is today's Blue 88. Brock and Salk Sales Sports on Saturday. I'm leaving myself a little window to be surprised. I'm leaving myself a little tiny slice. I'm leaving that door ajar just enough that the Yogi Ross and others that say, hold on just a second, mm-hmm. be careful, because sometimes in this business we do jump to the total final and in conclusion. Sure. Uh, you know, is it the epilogue or the prologue? One of those two. Um, and we are just there. The epilogue before, will be at the end. Before we let the whole story end. So let me just see what Apple, let me see what's streaming. Let me see what maybe other avenue that he didn't want to go down. He didn't want to go that way. But let's just see what all of I that mean, looks can, like before the epilogue. But it's still embarrassing the way it's all happened. I mean, like, it's not going to take away everything yep. that we've seen. So yep. kind of like right. our clock management today. Hey, you know what? Let's go. It's, it's a crazy day. We have a lot go. of things going on. Passing going to join really us in 20 things, minutes. So I need really big. We'll tell you about rings. the big deal that the Mariners made yesterday. Next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know.
up first. Well, we're waiting this morning, Brock, waiting for deals to get done. Uh, there was one for the Mariners yesterday, I guess two, if you want to include the fact that they shipped A.J. Pollock out of here for nothing. But the big deal, Paul Seawald headed to Arizona in exchange for three players. That would be Dominic Canzone. He's an outfielder. He's the centerpiece of this deal. And then infielder Josh Rojas and infielder young prospect Ryan Bliss. Uh, pro- you know, This is about Canzone, at least for now. Both he and Rojas will join the Major League roster. The Mariners think that Canzone is ready to go and can be in the middle of their order right away and that he'll be an upgrade over what they've had so far this year. So from their perspective, this is not a straight sell at all. But obviously you are selling on one of the you know premier parts of your team, your roster, and that is your bullpen. It's been mm-hmm. your strength. It hasn't been enough this year. And so they deal from a position of strength in order to try to shore up one of weakness. So does that mean Teo goes today and you bring in one of those relief arms, right? I if there are indeed does, but six I don't know teams, that he has to. There's five, six teams out there somehow interested in Teo. Well, not somehow because somehow. he still hits Come with on, some man. pop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still hits with some pop. So his at bats are hard, hard to watch. But he does hit I with great him take exit. Five below. pitches in a strikeout yesterday. I mean, come on, give yeah, him some credit. That's that's true. That's fair. There is one word, by the way, that comes out and jumps out to me with Scott Service and cut number one here talking about this trade. One word that does resonate with with me and these Mariners today and maybe for the years to come. I thought they're very. First of all, they're both left-handed hitters. Um, and Was that it, left-handed? No, nope, keep going. <laughs> I thought they're very. First of all, they're both left-handed hitters, um, and you know, will help our lineup. Uh, you see our lineup is predominantly right-handed. Uh, so they're young guys. They're very athletic players. They're- is that it there? Athletic. Uh, not young. It's exactly. Because well, most and people athletic. are going to hear is young. Yep, young and athletic. Young and athletic. And now look at Cade Marlowe. Now look at Jared Kelnick. Now look at Julio Rodriguez. Now look at Canzone. Now look at just some of the athleticism. You don't like it? What are you giving me that face for? I just I have Why a, you little, me that face? a little stink face on one thing. What? Have you seen Cade Marlowe play the outfield? Hey, hey. Hey, no, I'm just asking you a question. Yes, he had a horrible read in his first game, a horrible, horrible Have you watched pop. him play the outfield? It's not super comfortable. I get it. Did you watch yesterday? I did. There were like three fly balls to left field that he turned into a bit of an adventure. He caught them all. Yeah. I just, I'm watching him out there. There's a little, there's just some, I got a little watch on that. What do you not say, Brock? Not the most natural, but he's a good athlete. A 2-2-2, two, 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 a 2-2-3. Two, two, three. Three, or something on Cade Marlowe in left field. Just letting you know. Rojas Athletic as well. He'll play against righties. My guess is Colton Wong is gone within the next few hours. And then, yes, they send A.J. Paul up to San Francisco for some cash or maybe a player to be named later. What comes next? That's the question. We don't know. And they certainly have room to continue to make deals today. I don't know what that looks like, but you got a few hours to go before the deadline. Here's the second thing you need to know. And what a game they end up playing yesterday. So bizarre. The way it starts off, it was terrible. It looked like they had completely <laughs> just imploded it in. after the trade, right? I mean, Tom Murphy, I think there was a parachute on the ball that he threw into center field on the steal attempt. And then Julio airmails third base trying to be a hero. And then George Kirby pulls a James Paxton. I don't know if he saw Paxton in the other dugout and was like, I'm going to look just like you. Is that why it was an earned run, by the way? Why is that an earned run? Do you Two really want to know? No, I don't. I can tell not you. A, not a need to know. Maybe I'll at 830. You. I'll tell you right now. Fine. So it's a steal. The guy steals second. That's not an error. 
The error comes afterwards, which gets him to third and then home. But the official score rules that he would have gone to third on the ground ball that came after it and okay. then would have scored on the next play. Ah, so, so they do the, look at the rest. Okay. They look at everything else that happened. And even though it's stupid, well, that's technically an Everything error. else that happened in the game, Boston was 2 of 11 with runners in scoring position. They left 10 guys on base. They could not get the traffic home. Mariner fans know that feeling offensively. That was not the case for the Mariners. Cal Raleigh, uh, he got himself home twice, and then in the eighth inning, man, that traffic led to more and more and more. Three for five and runners in scoring position. Don't look now. Don't look now. Mariners a season high, four games over 500, three and a half back in the wild card, and just five back. And if that game started off with some poor defense, it ended with some pretty great defense. Uh, Campbell looks in, looking to end it. Here's the stretch and the 3-2 pitch. Swinging a line shot, diving catch, J.P. Crawford. Behind the bag at second, robbing, I mean robbing, Yoshida of a base hit, and the ball game is over. Did you think he was going to catch that ball when it left the bat? No. That looked like it was a hit. <laughs> greatest <laughs> defensive shortstop in the history of your life is whom? Who is the greatest? Ozzie Smith. Ozzie Smith. Can you imagine Ozzie Smith watching that going, what a different game? Because he used to actually play in the six hole, right? right? Like back in the day, that was a that was a that's hit, a hundred of a right. hundred of a hundred. Can you imagine times. what Ozzy would have gotten to if he could have act, like if they knew all the metrics oh, on where to play him? He'd have gracious. been unbelievable. Here's the third thing you need to know. Seahawks practice yesterday. Yeah, I said it to him. I thought Boye Mafe was the best player on the field yesterday. Now he's going up mostly against twos, but he did a heck of a job. Bobby Wagner pretty impressed with the defensive line in front of him. Uh, the D-line did such a good job. The ball never really made it up to us. To be honest, they were attacking the ball in the backfield, so um, you know, which I'm okay with. So They were in the backfield every, every play, and they, they really set the tone for us today. And so, you know, that's something that we're going to look for, you know, all season. Uh, yes, it is. We're going to look for that disruption. We're going to look for that chaos. going to look for penetration and not just on roller skates getting, oh, I don't know, like an Ocean Shores wave washed right into the second level of those linebackers. So that was that was a good sign. They will practice today. They finally get an off day tomorrow. It's, it surprised me a little bit, Saul. Yeah. I, you texted me Sunday. I thought they were going to go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, take Sunday off, and then come back Monday, Tuesday. They've been at it. They've been at it. They will go at it today. And typically when an off day is coming – tempers flare a little bit they know that they get tomorrow off and uh, want to make sure it's a little juicy on the field today keep an eye on that all right that is everything you need to know quarter past every hour Ozzie smith over omar yeah hmm. okay Ozzie was so good Ozzie, i mean omar's really good too really there are a lot of great defensive wizard shortstops now, i will say this Brendan about Ozzie. Ryan was pretty awesome when he was here i mean he was a ridiculously good shortstop these all of these little different positions they put these guys in it would challenge his arm a little bit yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, it, that would be because I don't think he had an arm like some of the shortstops of the last 20 years still have pretty, had. Still pretty good. Yeah. Man. By the way, is is a. Eugenio a gold glover? He's sure playing like it this year. I mean, there I mean, is going to be hard. Play. Chapman is so good at third base and sort of has the reputation there, but he's certainly a finalist. I mean, you could argue they win that game last night and ultimately they break through in the eighth. Yeah. But they win that game because of a. Eugenio's defensive plays. 100% agree. I mean, so, it's so good. Some of the tacks. Marlo looks like Teo tracking a fly ball, but he actually catches it most of the time. That's pretty good. Uh, is it a Nori Aoki type of play? Mm. It, it It's not like um, – he just looks well, shaky. That left fielder for Boston can hit. 
It's the same thing. He didn't take great lines it's just, at all. It's just, it's just a little, a little Correct. shaky. That's it. There you out go. Out there in the, in the outfield. Yep. As opposed to Kelnick, who looks very confident and does everything full speed. So, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Coming up, uh, the Mariners have made a move. And my guess is there are a whole bunch more of them to come. What did Jeff Passan think of what they did yesterday? And what else could they do today? We will talk to him next. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Nothing like having the biggest newsbreaker in baseball on your show the day of the most news in baseball. How lucky are we? Especially considering he's been out of commission for the last couple of weeks after a serious back injury, uh, felled poor Jeff Passan. He's been kind of down and out, and he finally is back, and we're really grateful to have him today of all days. Jeff, before we even get to the deadline, how are you feeling, man? How are we doing? Terrible. It's a trade deadline. I have a broken back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, no, honestly, I'm doing all right. What do you mean I a broken back? What does that mean, a broken back? Uh, when the tree hit me, uh, the L1 vertebra had a compression fracture of 35%, if we want to get like extremely technical. So what happened is one of my vertebrae uh, got broken and crushed. And in truth, as, as a guy whose height was not his calling card to begin with, the reality of me losing like a quarter inch of height on account of this is, is a really troublesome like happening, how, but hey, how much did it hurt? The worst pain of my life. Yeah, and I've and I've had some stuff, so yeah. I would not recommend being hit by a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your daily list of things to do, I would Sheesh. avoid that at all costs. Yeah. I got lucky, hit, man. Honestly, I got by a hit. I got hit by a tree named John Mobley. I mean, it was the same <laughs> thing. Uh, it thankfully didn't crush my vertebrae, but crushed my kidneys, peed blood. It was pretty bad. So yeah, those are, those are not, and by the way, as well, Jeffrey, just want to let you know, A, thanks for doing this. Yeah. And B, like if you've got a text, you've got to run, we won't be mad at all. We won't get mad like oh, that yeah. DC That's, host did. I would, I would yep. put the odds at that. I'm not going to say like over 50%, but um, I'm not going to say it's under either. Yep. Okay. So if you do have to run, let's get right down yeah, to we, business. Yeah, we better get to it. What did we make of what the Mariners did yesterday? Did they do well in their Paul Seawald trade? Yeah, I like the trade. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those that we know if it was good sooner than most because, you know, a lot of times when you're a team that's selling, you're doing so for prospects. In this case, Dominic Canzone is a big leader. Uh, Josh Rojas, we have a pretty decent sense of what Josh Rojas is already, actually. Uh, Ryan Bliss is super interesting because he's a guy who physically uh, is, you know, just he's five foot six. He's 175 pounds. He's not going to intimidate anyone, but he also hit 360 at double A this year. And so there, there's some performance there uh, that's really tantalizing. Uh, you know, I talked with a couple of evaluators afterward, like how did the Mariners do? And they, they thought Ken zone's the best player in the deal. Um, and that bliss has some upside, but there are some questions from guys, whether he's going to hit and, you know, Rojas, I'm not going to say he's like Abraham Toro um, because that didn't work out very well, but 
there are real questions about the bat. And you see that this year in a guy who's had 200-plus plate appearances and still hasn't hit a home run yet. Uh, but he can play all over the diamond, and having a a good utility guy on the roster is imperative. He's just not going to be the carrying piece here. I think this trade hinges on Canzone and Bliss. So how good is Canzone? Well, he's a little bit older. Uh, he's 25, but, you know, hit, I think he was hitting like 340 and slugging over 600 in AAA this year and just never was able to get at bats in Arizona because they have a – pretty good outfield and a lot of depth there. And this, this trade for the Diamondbacks was a deal that made sense for them. I think they didn't see Rojas as an everyday guy anymore. Um, and not sure if he ever was. Um, they, they saw Canzone as superfluous because they have Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy and, they'd like to bring Lord Escorial Jr. back. Um, and Bliss, you know, they have Cattell Marte at second base. Um, they have Jordan Lawler as their shortstop of the future. And Geraldo Perdomo was an all-star this year, so he's pretty good too. So uh, it was them trading in on their depth to get a guy in Paul Seawald who is reliable, who will take the ball every time you ask him to, and who's a great guy in the clubhouse too. And most of all, who has another year of control, which is vital to the Diamondbacks, who's bullpen has been absolutely wretched in the last 30 days and who have aspirations to compete, not just this year, but next year too. Jeff, as your vertebrae was healing over the last few weeks, I think we talked a lot about this trade deadline and talked a lot about Jerry doing what he's done a lot, which is buy and sell. And this move to me is a buy and sell. You obviously sell in the league closer. You buy, as you said, some uh, some major league ready bats that are going to play right away and in Canzone, I think, sooner than later. Does this move in any way tell you that another one is coming over the next six and a half hours? I anticipate that we're going to see a, a fairly active Mariners team today. And if that means trading Teoscar Hernandez, I think that is well within the realm of possibility, though I'll be honest, I don't know how many teams are looking for an outfield bat at this point. And I think a lot of them uh, that are look at the guys that they have internally and compare their numbers to Teoscar Hernandez's and say, are we really going for an upgrade here? And I, I don't think after giving up Eric Swanson in that deal, you know, a guy who was a very effective reliever last year with a lot of club control, the Mariners are necessarily going to want to to give up Teoscar Hernandez just for whatever someone's willing to offer. Um, I, I also can see the Mariners go out and buying on the fringes, but I don't think it's going to be any big additions today, even though they've been playing really well over the last month, even though their record's among the best in the American League during that time. Uh, it's still a really big hill to climb for them with the teams that are ahead of them. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what the Boston Red Sox do today because they're a team that's been playing pretty well too and is better positioned than the Mariners right now. And they may well be sellers. So you'd be surprised at this point. You know, there have been rumblings about Logan Gilbert and St. Louis, rumblings about Bryce Miller, rumblings about maybe just being creative and going big. At this point, you would be surprised if the organization takes that big of a step. I think if the Mariners were to trade one of their controllable starting pitchers right now, the return would be a massive windfall. And I, I say that for two reasons. Number one, because frankly, I don't think they're – 
going to do that right now. If at any point that happens, I think it's probably going to be the offseason. But beyond that, if you are trading one of those guys, uh, boy, oh, boy. Um, I mean, you better get that right. Like, uh, you know, the Mariners have put themselves in this position where they are right now because it's clear they're very good at developing pitching. But when you see the price for Aaron Savali, who is not a Logan Gilbert or a Bryce Miller or a Brian Wu, who is a guy that's, you know, been pretty decent in his career, but this year has taken a nice little step forward and only has two and a half years of club control remaining. And he gets Kyle Manzardo, who's a really good prospect. I mean, the price that the Mariners have on their controllable starting pitching is high, which is precisely where it should be. And uh, I'm, I'm just not sure anyone's ready to meet that at this point. Yeah, I was thinking about Manzardo yesterday and wondering whether or not that was going to be a Mariner target. And I think they probably were in on him to some extent. But it, it mm-hmm. makes me wonder whether, you know, the, and you and I were texting about this yesterday. I thought you raised a really good point. If you're the Mariners, are you trying to spread out what you get back with three players for Paul Seawald? Or based on where you are and what you need, are you better off trying to get one player that is the equal of those three? Oh, that was Jeff's genius, was it? Oh, okay, good job. You two texting back and forth. Way to go. Passing, I appreciate you. Even with a broke back, I appreciate you helping all of us out here, man. Thank you. Well, I I think it's just a matter of philosophy and perspective. And I think when you look at what an organization is doing, you have to have some trades that spread the risk. And then you can have other ones that don't, that you do go for that one big swing. And, you know, as listen, I think we know by now, Jerry DePoto is not afraid to make trades. I think that's fairly well established at this point. Jerry DePoto at some point is going to make a trade where, he just gets one guy back and you put all your eggs in that basket. But at this point, when the Mariners have as many issues as they do offensively, I don't think that the spread the risk, you know, hope you get one guy, maybe two like big league players out of the three. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to do. I think if you look at like overall future value, just based on, uh, on models and what they spit out, the, the Mariners probably got the better end of that trade. Uh, but then again, there is a possibility that Canzone doesn't turn into an everyday guy, that Bliss never cuts it, and that Rojas is who he is, in which case, you know, having Paul Seawald around is always a nice, comfortable, like, warm blanket. Uh, you know, it's on Andreas Munoz now to be that closer and to be that elite guy that we've seen flashes of. It's on Matt Brash to be one of the best relievers in baseball because he certainly has among the best stuff of any reliever in baseball. And uh, there were plenty of teams out there asking for Matt Brash. And, you know, the price was as high as it should have been because he can be that guy. And uh, the notion of Munoz and uh, and Brash in the eighth and ninth innings, I mean, like that could be the best duo in baseball at this time if we're talking next year. Yeah, and for those guys to take that step is sometimes you have to clear that room, right? You have to clear that path for them to do that before the ball is right there in their hands. Jeff, did it feel like the Mariners were tied with the Baltimore Orioles for the best record in baseball at seventeen and nine? Because that's what the paper tells me. 
Um, you know, I probably don't have as good of a feel on that as you guys do because you're watching them every single day and because I was in the hospital for, like, part of that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, are, they are playing better. And I, I think what's frustrating is you've seen more of the team that we were anticipating at the beginning of the season. And you just wish they had shown up earlier because maybe this would have been a completely different trade deadline and would have been a lot more like last year where they were going out and actively pursuing guys as opposed to being the ones who are pursued. How do we feel about the rest of the division and, and what they're doing? The Angels in a unique position to be adding and, and trying to salvage their relationship with the best player that maybe any of us have ever seen. The Rangers buying and losing and the Astros probably buying but winning right now. Uh, I think the Rangers are going to be fine. Uh, I, I like the fact that they're going for it. They have a really good farm system and they didn't give up any of their tippy top guys. Um, I, I think there's a chance, you know, Tommy Sejaci uh, ends up uh, every bit as good, if not better, than Luis Angel Acuna. So I thought the Cardinals did very well in that trade uh, for Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. Um, the Astros, the Astros are, you know, the Astros are good. The Astros are going to be fine. The Astros are going to be dangerous in the playoffs. What's new? Like that's just what the Astros are right now. And until their core guys, uh, you know, end up leaving or aging, I think they're going to be there every single year. And it would not surprise me to see them get Justin Verlander today, too. The Angels are an interesting, like, I have such cognitive dissonance with the Angels. Uh, I look at what the Angels did from a baseball team building perspective. And... I'm like, oh God, that's just a, that's a really, really, really bad idea. <laughs> like, what what are you doing? What are you doing? Are, are you that confident that Shohei Otani is going to return? And and further, if you don't make the playoffs this year, how can he look at this and say you made a good effort when other teams that are pursuing him in free agency can say the Angels give you effort, we give you October? Like that's a real thing that they're going up against. And yet at the same time. In this era where everything is uh, run through a model and managed in the same way that you would see on, on Wall Street or in businesses that are looking to optimize, the idea of someone going rogue and doing something different and going like balls to the wall to win, I kind of love it. And, and part of me just hopes that the Angels do get to the postseason if only because it will show that reckless behavior is okay. Let's, hey, uh, not, let's not get carried away with hoping the Angels no. make the playoffs. No, That's doing one step too far. We don't need to for do the that. Angel organization. That smelled of oxycontin right there. In October? Huh? No. Yeah, next year here in, in Seattle. But I don't. Yeah. I don't need. To, I, I can go one more year. I just no. don't like the Angels. Hey, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you, we'll, we'll let you run. This is a, this is a big day for you. Can I just ask one final last question to you? Yeah, we're gonna let him go because it's a big day, Salk, and we've got to respond to all of this. Best case scenario for Teo, if they indeed move Teo today, what would be the best from what you're hearing? How you're gauging this market, evaluating it to some of the other deals that have come down? What would be the best thing for these Mariners for the final 50 games if they move Teo? They're not going to get a whole lot for him back. <laughs> no Talk on you. 
Can yeah. you give me a Sorry. can you I mean, give me a high it, leverage arm? Can, how about, at least how about that? waiting on Logan Gilbert until this offseason and dealing him for Randy or Rosarena? Why would why would the yeah. the Rays do that? I don't know. No. They seem to deal everybody before anyone else thinks they're going to. Why not a Rosarena? Um because they're in a championship window too right now and you yeah. don't trade your second best position yeah. player. They do. Yeah. That's like exactly the kind of thing they do, and it still works I, out I, for I, them. I, you know what? I, I don't think they've really, like, what really, Salk? What really good position players have they really? traded? Passing up. Don't even answer this. This is what he did to our guest last hour. You know who that was? Mike Tirico. Told him, yeah, I just go out to eat on Thanksgiving. Tirico basically hung up on us. So I'm not going to let him badger a broken back guest right now. Okay, Jeff? Thank you. Wait, who? I, I, I'm curious. Who goes out to eat on Thanksgiving? Tirico or Salk? I've I've now the last few years yep. my family and I have started going out to eat mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's not. I I actually I did that one year and I'm with you. Like it's it's awesome. You know what? Let's yeah, let somebody else make my feast, yeah. and uh-huh. more importantly, let somebody else do all the dishes afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no doubt. It was yep. pretty great, and then you just make like a couple of things mm-hmm. at home. You make sure. like you know a little sure. stuffing or something, so you have some leftovers. Yep. Don't knock it till you tried it. That's all I'm saying. All right, Jeff. Capital E and Elite. Thank you, boys. When Appreciate we, uh, it. When Thanks, we talk next week, we will be past the trade deadline. I hope uh, I hope it goes well for you and everybody else today. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jeff. Glad you're okay. All right, there See you, you boys. Go. There's Jeff Passan, who uh, who broke mm. his back and yeah. uh, is is back with us today, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, d- d- uh, give me clip notes right there. Cliff notes of what you just heard. From oh, me. I'm sorry. I'm still talking to Jeff Passan. I still have like seven more no, minutes to talk I to Passan. No. I know you're done. I still yes. have like seven more minutes That's worth fine. of questions for but Jeff. But on the busiest so day of you, his you year. You can feel free to come up with what we're going to do for the next seven minutes. Justin Amora on the busiest day of Passan's year with a broke back still high on Oxycontin. I want to at least let him. Okay. Salk <laughs> doesn't care. Off the hook a little bit. All right. I care. I care about Jeffrey. And he gave us ample there. Rojas, obviously, I hear the name Abraham Toro. I get very concerned. Rojas is just a utility guy. And it probably means, as you've said multiple times, Wong is gone. The question is this Canzone kid. Mm-hmm. Is he is he a, a legit dude? Can he be a Mitch Haniger? Can he grow into an everyday, athletic, excellent defender and give you enough with the bat, enough pop? Is he is he a right fielder of the future? Is he a first baseman of the future? Because I think in this in this trade scenario and in this deadline day, Salk, it's not even about these fifty some games. It's about what's your twenty four roster looking like right now. Well, he is a potential piece of that, right? I mean, he's yeah. been playing. Doesn't he have to be? He's been hitting in the middle of the order, in the middle of the lineup for a contending team. But he's their fifth outfielder, and they were willing to move on. Now, they got good outfielders, and they got all-star they're, outfielders. They're in a unique position where they've got a lot of depth at that spot. Yes. And they had a specific need, right? I mean, if you're in Arizona today, if you're doing Gambo show, are you going, well, they had three different relievers, and they decided to give up this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, teams have to decide to actually give up something in order to get something. Yep. And the Diamondbacks needed a closer. They need a guy who can take the ball every day like Paul Sewald. Most teams do. Mm-hmm. The Mariners need guys who can hit, who are younger, who are more athletic. And because Arizona was willing to pay a premium right now, given where they're at in, in their process, the Mariners got back what they think is a guy who can help them both right now and into the future. He's probably more helpful in the future than right now. But look at this team. Does it need a back-end reliever like Paul Sewald? 
Or does it need a young athletic guy who makes contact with the ball and can run and play defense? Oh, it, it needs some answers for 23, but it really needs some answers also well, for 24. Before we get to 24. Correct. Doesn't Correct. this Mariner team need a player like Canzone? Uh, yes. I mean, like specifically a guy who makes contact, yes. who can run and play defense, and and can play with some positional versatility Ide- in the outfield and first base. Ideally, with another hundred games to measure that, right? Yes, ideally, absolutely. With he's more not major ideal league with his, the amount of seasoning, but yes. he's also not a double A kid where you got to wait five years just to figure out who he's going to be. He's major league ready, twenty five years old, in the big leagues already, and having you know some moderate amounts of success, not a tremendous amount of it so far. Yeah. Should it help you for the future? Yes. Right. I mean, this should this should give you options, whether it yeah. is him playing the outfield, whether it is trading one of the other players you've got, either Kelnick or someone else, Ty France. I mean, like he's giving you some flexibility. Yep. What if what if you decide, you know, he's going to be your first baseman of the future mm-hmm. and, you know, he can move to yep. the outfield, but he's going to be your Cody Bellinger type who can play first base and outfield and you trade Ty France this offseason yep. or you non tender him because you don't want to pay what he might be worth in in uh, in arbitration after what was a pretty lousy year that he had. Yes. So, I mean, like, it gives them a lot of flexibility to go in other directions. But do I think that in and of himself, Dominic Canzone is the answer? No. I think it would be very hard to make that no, argument, no. given that he was the number 19 prospect and fifth outfielder in Arizona. No, the answer for this season, the answer is still Cal Raleigh. The answer is still Julio right. Rodriguez. The answer is still JP doing what JP's doing. The answer would be if Ty could get it going. The answer is your leading RBI guy who's coming up in some big moments here playing gold glove defense and Eugenio Suarez. Those are still the answers. You invoke the name Gambo. So while you reach out to Jeff Passan for knowledge, I reach out to the great Gambador. I, mean, I reached out to other people as well, but yes. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, I, reached I mean, it out wasn't just, just Passan. I reached out to like four or five people yesterday. I said, dude, you're going to love... in Arizona, some here in Seattle. You're going to love Seawald. You're going to love this guy. He's a great sports guy. He's a great competitor. He's a great teammate. He's You're going to absolutely love him in that market. Tell me about the three. He said, Rojas just can't hit right now. Utility guy just unfortunately this season, after a three-war season, just can't do it. Canzone has some talent. He can hit... Bliss is the wild card, great speed, had not hit before this season, a little guy with a lot of spark. Mm. So, you know, for Paul Seawald, is that fair? I think most baseball people you talk to, if we had 10 of them on here, right, if we had Keith Law and Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, it's it's all fair trade. Yeah. All a fair trade. Yeah. Now, it's all going to depend on how each of these guys performs in order to determine whether it worked or not. But you traded a year and a half of a reliever. For six years of a potential bat in Canzone, what is it, four years of, of uh, Rojas and a flyer on a kid who can really hit in double A? And run? How do you not do? I mean, like, that's a good deal just on its surface. Yep. And the fact that it didn't have a Graveman-like effect because the team knew it was coming and knew that they're, they were responsible for it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that keeps getting me. And Seawald himself said it yesterday. And by all accounts, he said it to the team in a meeting a few weeks ago. Guys, if we don't pick this up, people are going to get dealt. And he knew that he was one of them. And guess what? They did pick it up, and it was too late to save Paul Seawald. 
And so, unfortunately, he is dealt very, away. That sounds very morbid. I know. Well, don't worry. Wait till you get. Wait till you hear what we're doing for rank today. It's going to take morbidity to a new level. Oh, All right. Great. Before we do any of it, uh, we have to move some stuff around. So at eight o'clock, we usually do our most intriguing Seahawk. Today, we will do it at nine. So we'll do that coming up here in just a moment. We also will continue to monitor what's going on with the Mariners trade deadline and whatever is going to come next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten.